You are listening to Natural Born Okay, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop, stop, stop. <clears throat> I just want to say, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. Get access to these episodes in advance and go behind the scenes with lots more cool content. Join us on Patreon. Okay, that's all. Uh, on with the show. You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 203 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. If I sound a bit like clogged up, it's because I I was crying a bit just (laughs) before I started recording, but nothing serious, people, so you can all relax. Just happen to watch some emotional YouTube videos, you know. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, For a few weeks now, I have been heavily reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead, what is in Sanskrit called Bardo Thodol, or Thodol, Bardo Thodol, I don't know, I don't speak Sanskrit, let's call it the Tibetan Book of the Dead. This text describes the experiences that the consciousness has after death, in what is called the Bardo which is the realm between death and the next rebirth. Unless you manage to become liberated, of course. The version of the Tibetan Book of the Dead that I'm reading is the first complete translation into English by Gurme Dorje, and it differs a bit from the other versions, but the main gist is the same. At the very beginning of the book, there is a sort of opening prayer that I will now read parts of, because I find it awesome. If this prayer does not light a fire under your ass, nothing will. Oh, alas, alas, fortunate child of Buddha nature, do not be oppressed by the forces of ignorance and delusion, but rise up now, with resolve and courage, entranced by ignorance, from beginningless time until now, you have had more than enough time to sleep. So do not slumber any longer, but strive after virtue with body, speech and mind. Are you oblivious to the sufferings of birth, old age, sickness and death? There is no guarantee that you will survive, even past this very day. The time has come for you to develop perseverance in your practice. For at this singular opportunity, you could attain the everlasting bliss of Nirvana. So now is certainly not the time to sit idly, but starting with the reflection on death, you should bring your practice to completion. The moments of your life are not expendable, and the possible circumstances of death are beyond imagination. If you do not achieve an undaunted, confident security now, what point is there in you being alive, O living creature? My oldest dream that I can recall is also a nightmare. I was only a couple of years old and in the dream all it was was that I saw different colors in a round shape. Kind of like a traffic light but not only red, yellow and green but blue, purple, orange. And the dream was everything was pitch black and then these round colors just popped in and out, like turned on, turned off. And as they were doing this, uh, they whispered to me that uh, we're not your friend, we don't like you, Uh, we don't want anything to do with you, we don't like you, you're not our friend. That's the dream, you know. (laughs) It's a very weird dream. And all my life it's puzzled me and I... I... um, 
I haven't had a dream since. Only when I was a kid and very, you know, I don't know, four four years old maybe, something like that. Uh, but I remember when I had that dream, I, I, I woke up, you know, afraid, sweating. You know, it was a horrible dream. And um, I always found it to be really unsettling. Now, fast forward a few decades. So now we're in the present day. Unless you're listening to this in the future, then this is the past. But uh, anyway, now, in the year 2018, when I'm reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it says that right after the moment of death, you have a chance to liberate yourself from samsara by entering the white light. It has many names, but white light works for me. Uh, and if you do not enter this white light, you instead enter a sort of heaven where you are faced with a lot of wonderful imagery. Maybe that's when you meet Jesus and maybe that's when you see paradise or the Garden of Eden and all that stuff. But these are all projections from your mind. And you should reject it and look for the white light. But you know, it's very hard to reject heaven. You know, Why would you want to reject that? But if you recognize the white light in the moment of recognition, you are liberated and you don't have to go back to a body. You don't have to be reborn. So after heaven, you can enter a sort of hell. In the same way, this place is also a projection of yourself. And it can be so scary that you just want to escape you know, just want to get the hell out of there. So you, you kind of like force yourself to be reborn. And in this hell, you might get uh, the suggestion to follow the red light or the green light or the blue light. And all these lights will bring you back to rebirth. And also this hell is a very unsettling place, of course. So you wish to leave it as fast as you can and it's... Even though it might be easier to reject hell and say it's a projection of your own mind, easier than rejecting he heaven, um, it can be so scary that you, you know, it's hard not to see it as a projection of your mind and instead become afraid and become reborn. Now in that nightmare I told you guys about where I was dreaming about those different colored lights whispering, they're not my friend. When I had that nightmare, I, I always tried to wake up. Because, you know, why would you want to be in that experience when you're four years old? But now I'm fairly certain that that dream might be a memory of why I chose to be reborn. When I realized that, I, <laughs> you know, I was reading. And when I realized that, I actually said aloud, Oh my God. Because... It solved, for me, a uh, very personal mystery about that nightmare. I can't say for certain that that is the ultimate truth, but it made such perfect sense. And when I started, you know, I, I've had the Tibetan Book of the Dead for a while, and, you know, I've stumbled on it many times in my life, and they always say it comes to you when you need it, and... When I actually picked it up and said, like, now I'm going to study this book properly. As soon as I did that, you know, other podcasts I listened to started talking about the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And uh, I stumbled upon uh, other things online just by coincidence, talking about the Tibetan Book of the Dead. People in my uh, close circles started talking about the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Friends ordered the Tibetan... I mean, it's weird. It's synchronicity on a very high level. So that only reaffirmed my feeling that I, I need to look at this book a bit closer. Now this book might at first glance seem very complicated. But there is an excellent talk about the book that I want to play that explains it all in simple terms. And it's this is done by an author called Steve Troy. And if you find that you like this guy, then check out his book, New Eyes. 
Steve also appeared on the podcast a few weeks ago, so check that episode out. Now, Steve's book that I mentioned, New Eyes, is a book about the true nature of reality. That there is a synergy within the pages of that book as scientific theories and facts are artfully merged with spiritual truths that can help you experience healing insights and inspiring revelations. So, yeah, check out Steve Troy's book, New Eyes. So, yeah, let's listen to... uh, It's about 10 minutes or so, because I've uh, edited it down a bit. And uh, so, yeah, so let's listen to Steve talk about the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Now, the actual book is called The Bardo... Thodol, which is a Sanskrit phrase. Bardo is transition, and Thodol is liberation. So in essence, this is the, it's a transition, your afterlife is a transition for you, where you have an opportunity for liberation. And the opportunity for liberation is always available to you, it is right now, and it's available then, and we're going to go through the whole Tibetan Book of the Dead, and I'll lay out all the different details that are relevant for you. But one of the concepts that's very, very valuable is liberation is always available to you. There's this certain intense periods of time where it becomes more available, which is something that it actually starts out with. So it was written 1,500 years ago by Buddhist monk, some monks, and they hid it for about 700 years, which is interesting. If you think in terms of some Buddhist philosophy of detachment and trying not to take credit for things, really sort of a Jesus thing too, no man shall boast. They wrote it and then they buried it. You know why they buried it? They didn't think people were ready for it. It was too deep, too much, too complicated. They're like, "Mm, people aren't ready for it now. So we'll hide it. And their thinking was that it'll surface whenever it needs to. So they weren't interested in, man, we just wrote a great book. We need to take credit. It was, "Mm, I'm completely fine. We'll throw this out there. And whenever people need to come across it, uh, they'll come across it. I would suggest that's the exact same case for you right now. The uh, Swiss psych- psychologist Carl Jung says, this book reveals the secrets of the soul. He, he actually wrote a foreword for it. In, I think, this 1920s, an American editor translated it from the, the uh, Sanskrit language into, into English, and he's the one that named it the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Now, it starts off like this. You're going to see, because if you've gone through this whole group series or read the book New Eyes, um, so much of the stuff is in there. And uh, so it pulls it all together. The first paragraph of, of the Bardo Total. O God, boundless light of reality, O loving fate, O loving and fierce celestial beings, angels and guides, O great spiritual teachers and saints, I acknowledge the oneness of the infinite potential. I acknowledge the oneness of the infinite potential. That's entanglement and superposition at the same time. It's a boundless light of reality, everything is energy and we're vessels of light, it's all there. And it starts off with acknowledging this. Upon death, you're going to find that there's a a boundless, limitless, infinite potential reality going on. Now that's present for you right now, you just might not be aware of it. But over there it becomes more clear. They say the bardo of, of the dying process, your mind becomes nine times more clear than it is now. Now this thing, this big circle I drew, is called samsara. So this is a big wheel that I drew. When I spoke it into my phone, once in a talk texting, I said samsara, the phone heard samsara, which is perfect, because that's really what it means. Samsara, although the book would probably emphasize a lot of sorrow, okay? But it's a good way to think of it, samsara. It's a wheel, and it's a wheel that we're all stuck in, if you will. And you're going to be in it for eternity unless you figure out how to get out of it. This is the the process of reincarnation, which we're going to go through. The whole process is involved that you're going to go round and round this wheel until you figure a way out. And it's the same way for everybody, which is sort of an important feature. We all got to figure our way out. And if you don't get out of it, you're going to keep going through sorrow again and again and again. So it's an important feature to recognize the sorrows involved. Now, I've got a little section down here. This is the physical life section. It's where we are right now. It's a teeny little spot. It's relevant, not for this book, but it's relevant to us right now. Uh, You're going to go through some sorrow here. This is Buddha's first noble truth. Life is suffering. You're going to go through some sorrow, right? Well, book starts with the expectation 
that here you will have died, right? That's coming. Anybody, anybody, anybody has surprised to hear that? You're going to be dying at some point. There's about four different phases that I'm going to go through with you today, primary phases or bardos of, as part of this wheel. And the first phase is, um, well, they're all interesting, but the first one is very striking and very dramatic and very important. At, at, the, at the moment that you die, or in the very few first few moments after you die, there's an opportunity for immediate liberation. That's because there's a spot, if you will, in this samsara where this great white light appears. Now, if you've heard about people going through near-death experiences, you know, they sometimes say they see a light. Well, 1,500 years ago, that's what the Buddhists, the Buddhists were talking about, too. There's a great white light. They call it luminosity or ground luminosity. What it actually is is the, your essence. It's the nature of mind. It's actually you. But if you didn't spend your time during your life learning to recognize that, because you spent time during your life thinking that you're physical, this is where ego comes in. If you think you're a physical being and you're all the isms, right? And if you think, you know, I'm a white American male living in Pittsburgh kind of thing, and that's what I am, and that's what it's about, I'm not going to recognize this white light. And it's an important distinction because it's, it's given to you immediately right there. I've heard it described as a flash of lightning, right? If you don't know to recognize this, it goes by like a flash of lightning. And now you're going to go through the rest of the wheel, okay? But if you recognize this, as what you are, or as what the book describes, the self-liberating luminosity of your own mind. You've done it, you've earned it, and by the way, seven billion people on earth right now, who does this apply to? All seven billion, okay? It's why it's fair. Every single person has to learn how to recognize the nature of their own mind. It's self-liberating luminosity. And as you wake up, and as you start to wake up and have a have this luminous experience, the white light becomes obvious. First of all, you feel it inside of you, and then you'll know to recognize it. Wake up! Now that's a good way to start this, because which Buddhist word means wake up? Buddha, right? The word itself means wake up. Wake up! And why is it telling you to wake up? Because you're asleep, right? Wake up! I have transitioned from physical life through bodily death to the point of spiritual awakening. Okay? Trends, you're making a transition. This is the bardo. It's a transition. From this point on, I will awaken my spirit and my consciousness by contemplating the infinite potential of the spirit. I must meditate on peace and harmony and love and compassion. For the sake of all beings and all realities, I must remain centered in the oneness of the infinite potential. Once again, that's entanglement. We're all connected for the sake of all beings. If I do it, I help you. If you do it, you help me. We don't get out until we all get out. It's the basic idea. That's why all the prophets were working on this kind of stuff together. It's an important distinction. I am connected to you. You're connected to me. I'm doing this for the sake of all beings, just as you are. Within this experience of infinite oneness, I will attain the supreme peace and harmony of the infinite potential, and I will accomplish the purpose of all beings. Because we're all going to get there. Very valuable. We're all going to wake up, and I want to do it so I know how to help you do it, and vice versa. That's the point. And I'm not going to be satisfied until you've done it, and you're not going to be satisfied until I've done it. So we'll keep going round and round this wheel. So if you fail to recognize that this is you, the luminosity is you, it continues. The path continues. And you move into this place where what gets presented to you are what's called peaceful deities. I spelled deity right. So I'm not clinging to specific spellings of things. It's all good. I've released it. Peaceful deities. That comes next. And the peaceful deities, the book actually describes experiences of, of like seeing rainbows and stuffed animals. It actually says stuffed animals. And like, you know, you're going to see what's described as all random imagery from your former life. Okay? Random imagery starts showing up. And it starts out as peaceful, which is to say pretty pleasant. And if you're experiencing something pretty pleasant, are you thinking of it as external or internal to you? Like say you're watching a, a movie that you like or watching your child play or something like that. You're thinking your kid's over there and you're not thinking that this is coming from my own mind somehow. But it's what you have to do. You have to recognize this as a projection. If you fail to recognize this as a projection, you have to continue to go on. But you see peaceful things, pleasant things. In the Course of Miracles, it talks about how you've got to watch out for the good things that happen to you because they're going to keep you stuck just as much as the bad things. You have to recognize that what you're experiencing in the peaceful deities aren't actually occurring. 
their dreams, their manifestations, they're coming from your own mind. And it's a pleasant experience, which is nice to have a pleasant experience. <clears throat> but if you don't recognize that you're dreaming it because you're still asleep, then the wheel continues. Now, this can be challenging because how many people are trying to wake themselves up when things are good? So, at the time, at this time, the great red wind of evolution will drive you from behind, fiercely, unbearingly, terrifyingly. Do not be afraid of it. It is your own hallucination. A frightening, thick darkness draws you from the form, irresistibly. You are terrified by harsh cries such as strike, kill. Do not be afraid of them. Heavy sinners will see cannibal ogres brandishing many weapons, shouting war cries, kill, kill, and strike, strike. If you read the Bhagavad Gita, it sounds just like that, okay? That the nature of reality turns out to be all this scary, evil stuff. Don't be afraid of it. Again, similar to what we're doing down here. A whole bunch of chaos is happening in the world. Are you experiencing it in a terrifying way? Or can you see it from a detached point of view and recognize what it is? You'll have a different experience of it as a result. You will be hunted by troops and blizzards and storms and fogs. You will hear sounds of avalanches and floodwaters, forest fires and hurricanes. In panic, you will escape by any means. So can you imagine? Does this sound like fun? When you're going through, it's just a movie, and you'll be running around, and because you're terrified, what do you look for? Remember, you don't have a body. Escape. Yeah, I want out. Now, if I'm in a movie theater and it's freaking me out, what do I do? In the Book of the Dead, all these lights and all these colors, there's so many doors you can escape from, and each one of them is a direct path into a rebirth. And it gives tons of advice. Don't go to the red light. Don't go to the blue light. Don't go to the green light. And it says stuff like, uh, this is the wisdom light, or that's the anger light. You know, it's all the colors that we're used to here. And it says, if, if they appear at any point, let's use color. Once you start to see these lights showing up, you start picking one of these colors, next thing you know, you're, you're headed for rebirth. Now, you can go get reborn as many times as you like. Now, of course, there's, it's superposition. There's probabilities. You can increase the probability of winning this game now. What by the Sangha, I mean this emphasizes the three jewels all throughout. Dharma, Sangha, Buddha, got to keep emphasizing that. Each one of you has Buddha in you. All these answers are already in you. It's a process of, of unfolding. It'll come about. You'll eventually get there. If you focus, it'll come about quicker. That's Buddha. Um, Dharma is the teachings, and this is the very last line of this. If you got to work on the teachings, if you study the teachings, it'll come about. You'll eliminate. The wrathful deities won't even scare you, just like they won't hear. You won't see this is bad anymore. It is literally overcoming death. And it's an opportunity for anybody. The more adverse circumstances, often, the more likely you're going to say, I need to look at this different. You get sucked into the peaceful, beautiful part of it, then you're not going to be liberated. What happens upon your death? Good luck when you come back around. If things went great, went great for you, you got your millions of dollars, and you got your mansion, you got love, and all this great stuff, you're going to be miserable over here, because you're going to literally be walking around looking for your stuff. Yeah, you better recognize. Recognition equals liberation. Sounds easy enough. Now, most of you might not ever read this book, although it should be essential reading, in my opinion. But uh, these days, there is no excuse. You can also listen to the audiobook version. One version from a different translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead features none other than actor and Buddhist Richard Gere. We have listened to someone talk about the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Now let's listen to the actual text itself. Here is a short edited bit from Richard Gere's reading that I put together. So uh, you can get an idea of what's, what this book is about. But what you're going to hear is not only the actual text. It's also part of the introduction of the book. And it's all jumbled. Uh, don't worry about that, just listen to it, enjoy it, and if you really enjoy it, get the book and read it. And it's one of those books that you can read 
and reread. And in fact, on your deathbed, you should ask somebody to read it for you. The Tibetan Book of the Dead. Although the Tibetan Book of the Dead is traditionally read in order to guide the spirit of the dead person, it is primarily meant to be studied and practiced during life, not only so that one will be able to remember it at the time of death, but because its teachings actually refer to this life just as much as they do to any future existence. Just before death, a dying person's consciousness becomes progressively more and more detached from the external world and from the body until it is completely concentrated within and there is an experience of a sense of internal glow or luminosity. This is called the bardo of the moment before death. After death, the consciousness is freed from the limitations of the physical body and is able to perceive a subtle level of existence where everything manifests as sounds and colors instead of solid material forms. Underlying all these appearances is a luminosity, the light of reality, and if one can recognize that and merge with it, one reaches the absolute level of dharmakaya. If one is unable to let go into that state, visions of the Buddhas and other divine beings appear, first in peaceful forms and then in wrathful forms, offering many different approaches to enlightenment. At the same time, our memories of the ordinary world of suffering, or samsara, also beckon us, appearing as paths of colored light leading us to future rebirth in one of the six realms of existence. Next come terrifying experiences of judgment by Mara, the Lord of Death, and the pursuit and torture by avenging demons. The fundamental teaching of the whole text is to recognize that these visions are the projections of one's own mind. As soon as one realizes this, one is liberated from the visions. Finally, if one has been unable to recognize this, one enters the bardo of becoming, the transition to a future birth in one of the six realms. Even at this point, there are still opportunities to recognize the luminosity, because the focus of the mind is concentrated by intense fear. Instead of escaping into a new form of existence, the consciousness in the bardo can stop and confront this fear, and so attain liberation from it. If this fails, the text gives instructions on choosing a new birth that will be of benefit to oneself and others. O child of noble family, at this moment your state of mind is by nature pure emptiness. It does not possess any nature whatever, neither substance nor quality such as color, but it is pure emptiness. This is the Dharmata, the female Buddha Samantabhadri. But this state of mind is not just blank emptiness. It is unobstructed, sparkling, pure, and vibrant. This mind is the male Buddha, Samantabhadra. These two, your mind, whose nature is emptiness without any substance whatever, and your mind, which is vibrant and luminous, are inseparable. This is the Dharmakaya of the Buddha. This mind of yours is inseparable luminosity and emptiness in the form of a great mass of light. It has no birth or death. Therefore, it is the Buddha of immortal light. To recognize this is all that is necessary. When you recognize this pure nature of your mind as the Buddha, looking into your own mind is resting in the Buddha mind. There you have it. Did you get an appetite? Well, for me, this book has been a focal point for the past few weeks, or maybe it's months. I don't have a good sense of time. Um, and I imagine it will be a focal point for me for a while more, because I find the book utterly fascinating. What I also find fascinating is stuff like this. And so um, how it came about was that... Uh, I um, was on my way to Monterey. I go up there every year for the historic car races. While I stopped at the stoplight, I had a pain that started in my jaw, right in the mandibular area. Went down my jawbone, down my carotid artery, and into my chest. I said, oh, this is strange. My friend and his wife said, what's wrong with you? You don't look very good. What's your symptoms? I said, well, my 
hands feel a little sweaty and I feel a little clammy. I said, I don't know what's going on. He says, I'm going to take you to the hospital. I said, oh, I'll be okay. I'll go home and take an aspirin. This will be done with. He says, no, we're going right now. So we went in and they put me on a gurney because there was no room in the emergency room. My blood pressure was extremely high and uh, they gave me a couple of shots right away to try and get my blood pressure down. And then I went right into the uh, x-ray room and uh, they gave me some x-rays and uh, came back in a little while and Steve, the doctor, a friend of mine, says, you have a serious problem. I said, oh, really? And he says, yes. He says, uh, you have an aneurysm, but what's worse, it's split and I think you're bleeding internally. Five o'clock the next morning. I was in the pre-op, uh, the ready room, rather, at uh, Cottage Hospital. Anesthesiologist came in and says, well, I'm going to, uh, you know, give you, a, give you a shot right now, and then uh, you're going to go off to sleep. I said, okay. I said, is the doctor here yet? Yeah, he's here, so I asked to see him. I said, okay, what are you guys going to do to me? And he says, well, he says, um, what we have to do is cool you down to a real low temperature, and when we do that, it'll be just like chopping a hole in Lake Michigan in the ice in the middle of the winter. Everything's gonna stop. Your brain's gonna stop, and your heart will stop. I said, well, I've never heard of that before, uh, and I read a lot, and he says, well, he says, we usually don't tell our patients what we're gonna do to them, or else they'd run down the hall dragging in the IV behind them. They told me when I went in that I'd have about a 50-50 chance of making it. I found out later with that kind of operation where they take your heart out, you have a 10% chance of survivability. So the anesthesiologist put the IV in. I went off to sleep right away. They start rolling me down the hall to the operating room. And then I realized that I was still conscious and I wasn't under yet. It was like I was for a little bit, but then I was awake again. And I saw him row me into the operating room. And so I wanted to tell the doctors that, hey, you got to give me some more of whatever it was you gave me because I'm not out yet. But I couldn't speak. I didn't have any pain or anything like that. I just could not open my mouth and get the words out, even though I tried very hard to tell them that I was still conscious. So I'm laying on the table and um, there are three doctors standing over me and two nurses, and they all have their gowns on, their mask on and everything, they're ready to go. And I heard the doctor ask the nurse for the scalpel, and she got it, and she started to open me up from right here down to here, he did, opened me up like that, and then they got in a, an electric saw out and started cutting my breastbone open. And then um, I saw them go down and start to take my heart out, and then everything went black. But I was still conscious, but I couldn't see anything. And it was like um, a heavy black fog, and I'm just standing there looking around. I, I couldn't figure out what to do next or what was going to happen next. Right then, two beams of light came over my right shoulder. So I started to turn around and look over my shoulder to see where it was coming from. And then I heard a voice, and the voice was very authoritative, um, not loud, but he says, don't turn around. And I'm thinking, well, why not? And he says, don't turn around, because if you see my face, you'll have to stay here. And he says, now, that, that'll be okay if you stay here, but I have a job for you. And if you disobey me, I won't be happy. And he says, you don't want to see me unhappy. So I said, yeah, well, okay. I better pay attention and do what he says. And then I said, you know, I know who you are. He said, oh, you do? And I said, yeah. And I said, um, I'm, uh, I've got a little a problem. I've got a little pet peeve. I've got a little bone to pick with you. And he says, well, what is it? You know, he wasn't mad or anything, just... Uh, normal speaking voice and I said well um, I know that a new generation is born every 10 years 
And I know that if you take the square root of three generations, it only goes back to about, oh, I think it's about 589 years. And uh, I said, I know that in the Bible it says that Adam and Eve have been on the earth about 6,000 years, something like that. And he starts laughing. I said, well, what's so funny? He said, well, you are. I said, why? He said, your math is wrong. And then I just start thinking, I said, where did I get those numbers? I must have been crazy. I couldn't have, I couldn't believe it. I said that because, you know, I, I kind of like prided myself on knowing math and science. And all during this conversation, I had a feeling of where he was, that he was walking back and forth behind me, uh, that he was sitting in a white throne, a just a plain chair, didn't have jewels or anything on it, but just a plain white chair. And um, I could just feel that, and I don't know why. I, I just, that's what I was feeling. The next thing that happened is uh, he said, well, he says, uh, do you have any more questions before you leave? I said, I, I, I said you know, uh, I got to think about this. And I thought and I thought, I was thinking really hard, what am I going to ask God? Couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I wanted to be really smart enough to ask him something very pertinent. And so I said, well, I'm going to have to revert to an old cliche. What's the meaning of life? And he starts laughing again. I said, what's, what's so funny now? And he says, well, I don't know why, but a lot of people ask me that question, and it's really real simple, but I tell you what, when you come back, we'll sit down. You can ask me all the questions that you ever will have. I'll answer them for you. So I said, okay. He says, okay, it's time for you to go back. And I turned around. I'm sorry, but... He put his arms around me. He put his arms around me. And it was a feeling that I can't explain. It was unconditional love, but it was words. I can't tell you the words. And I'm sorry, but I always act like this because I can feel it again. So, uh, 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 changed, changed my life and uh, the next thing I heard was the nurse was saying I think he's ready to come out of it. his temperatures at 90 degrees nine days later I was discharged from the hospital First thing I wanted to do was go out and tell everybody I knew what happened to me. And I found out right away that was the wrong thing to do. Some people were okay with it. Some people just turned around and walked away from me as fast as they could. They were scared to death. They thought I'd lost my mind. Uh, but I'll have to tell you that my life has changed completely. I'm no longer afraid of death. All the problems that I thought were problems are all gone. I don't have any problems. I don't have anything that gets me down. That was Richard. I don't know more about him, uh, but I do wonder. I wonder if Richard would have not returned had he in fact turned around. Maybe what was behind him was that white light that the Tibetan Book of the Dead speak about. We will all find out eventually. You know what? It's only 90 seconds. Let's listen again. Let's listen to the prayer again. Maybe you get more from it this time than the first time you heard it. Because that was kind of like you didn't expect it. So maybe now you can concentrate a bit more. <laughs> oh, alas, alas, fortunate child of Buddha nature. Do not be oppressed by the forces of ignorance and delusion, 
but rise up now with resolve and courage. Entranced by ignorance, from beginningless time until now, you have had more than enough time to sleep. So do not slumber any longer, but strive after virtue with body, speech and mind. Are you oblivious to the sufferings of birth, old age, sickness and death? There is no guarantee that you will survive even past this very day. The time has come for you to develop perseverance in your practice. For at this singular opportunity you could attain the everlasting bliss of Nirvana. So now is certainly not the time to sit idly, but starting with the reflection on death you should bring your practice to completion. The moments of your life are not expendable, and the possible circumstances of death are beyond imagination. If you do not achieve an undaunted, confident security now, what point is there in you being alive, O oh, living creature? In episode 200 I told you all about the USB 200 that you can get. Basically to commemorate the 200th episode I decided to produce a very sexy and organic looking USB with the chemical structure of DMT engraved on it. This USB has 16GB of storage and is going to be filled with all 200 episodes. If you sit down and listen non-stop it would take you about 8 days to listen to it all. The USB will also contain a lot of additional material previously only available to those that have supported the podcast on Patreon. So that is another 15 hours plus. There will also be some photos, essays and other shit. Basically the USB will be crammed with stuff. Why should I buy it? Or why should you buy it? I mean I don't need to buy it, I have it. But rhetorically speaking, why should I buy this if I can download all the episodes online? Well, this is an excellent way to support the podcast. You get all the episodes neatly packaged, plus a ton of additional material, some not found anywhere else. You also get a beautiful, natural-looking, woody and psychedelic USB. What more could you ask for? You can, of course, transfer all the contents to some other device and then you'll have a, a USB with 16GB 2.0 ready to be filled with all your dreams. So, really, you got nothing to lose. Go to naturalbornalchemist.com forward slash merch forward slash USB 200 or simply click on the link in the program notes. Now let's listen to the awesome track by Krishna Das called Calling From Afar. Don't be a jerk and skip it. No, no, no. Sit back, think about the bardo and lose yourself in the music. Go to krishnadas.com if you want to check out Krishna Das music some more. Uh, all the links I mentioned will be in the program notes. And don't forget to check out that USB. Uh, it's really sweet, I promise. And finally, don't forget, there's a lot of things you can't forget, but especially this you should not forget. Don't forget that recognition equals liberation. Freedom is in the mind. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare
Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare
Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. 